Welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and future of the next generation. I'm your host, Ashley, and you know what's a really big deal around here? Easter, and I know it is for you too. As ministry leaders, we know Easter is one of your biggest and busiest times of year. But as you prepare to share the good news of Jesus, have you ever stopped to think about why exactly it's good news? Or if it even sounds like good news to the kids and teenagers that you serve? It's a good question because we believe that the gospel is good news for everyone. And that's why today, Kristen Ivey is unpacking five perspectives that elevate the gospel and how they offer practical hope to the next generation. Kristen is the president of Orange and one of my good friends. And I know for me, this talk reframed how I think about Easter and how I talk about Easter with every family I serve. I hope it's a great encouragement for you in this season. So for now, enjoy five perspectives on why the gospel is good news with Kristen Ivey. Have you ever wondered when you were talking to somebody, is the hope that I have to offer really enough? I mean, maybe you were talking to somebody who is grieving a great loss or maybe battling depression, or maybe you're just having a conversation with middle schoolers who are asking such incredible questions that you found yourself wondering, does what I say even make sense? I'm not talking about asking questions about, is this true? I'm talking about that little voice that maybe leans in and just says, why does it matter at all? I mean, okay, great. The creator God became human, lived for 33 years, taught some revolutionary stuff about love, died, came back to life, and ascended to heaven. But what does that have to do with anything, really? Why is the gospel good news? As a ministry leader, have you ever asked that question out loud? It's okay to ask. It's okay to wonder. Actually, maybe wondering is a good thing. Just be careful that you don't answer it too quickly. Or if you do answer quickly, maybe you should just write it down and then ask yourself why about five more times. Five whys is a good practice for problem solving, but it can also be a really good practice for reflecting on our own faith. Maybe try it this week. Ask yourself, why is the gospel good news? And why is that good news? And why is that good news? It's not a simple answer, or at least I don't think it should be. If we're the church, we exist to communicate and demonstrate the gospel to the next generation. Or, I mean, we're supposed to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. But shouldn't we be careful not to give that answer before we maybe pause to consider the questions that somebody might be asking? I mean, think about this. The very nature of the fact that we call the gospel good news should indicate that it should sound like good news to everybody who hears it. But good news to me may not sound like good news to you. I mean, good news to me may sound to you like, meh, eh, neutral news. Or maybe to you it sounds like bad news or a bad idea. Paul was actually the master at understanding this, and he communicated his secret to the church at Corinth when he said, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel. Paul was actually communicating something incredible here. He was trying to suggest that maybe we need to understand people before we can help people see why the gospel is good news. You see, it's hard to give someone hope if you don't know why they need hope. But when you understand their pain, when you understand their perspective, then you can be a voice for the gospel in their life. Or to say it another way, If you want the good news to sound like good news, you need to understand why it's good news for everyone. 
The most helpful framework I ever encountered for understanding why the good news is good news for everyone, I learned in seminary, which means the rest of this talk is going to be pretty unconventional for a conference message. But I learned this from W. Paul Jones, who wrote a book in 1989 called Theological Worlds. He wrote a sequel in 2000 called Worlds Within a Congregation. Maybe you studied Paul Jones. But I've just found his work to be incredibly practically helpful for me as a small group leader, as a volunteer, as a parent, as someone who wants to help a generation understand the hope that we have in Jesus. So Paul Jones basically says this. He says the gospel message is good news for about five types of people. If you like personality tests like the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or the color test, you're going to love Paul Jones. If you don't like personality tests, don't tune this out and miss the essence of what he's saying. He's basically saying this, the gospel is good news for everyone from five essential perspectives. Okay, there are about five essential worldviews, according to Jones, that everybody in the world has, and these kind of stand the test of time. They're always true. So if you understand these five worldviews, if you understand these perspectives, then maybe you can elevate the gospel message for a generation in a more powerful way. Now, because we didn't want you to spend this whole time writing down notes and getting frustrated if you miss a point or maybe screenshotting the whole talk, we actually compiled all of the notes into a PDF that you can download here or here, or there, wherever the link is. Or you can just Google Paul Jones on the internet. You can buy his books. You can take the tests that he created to discover your primary worldview. Whatever your next step, we hope that you'll understand how learning these perspectives and understanding more about the kids and the teenagers and the people in your community can help you make the gospel more practically helpful, more practically hopeful for the next generation. So what are the perspectives? Well, the first one is separation and reunion. I actually love this one because it's my perspective and we all like to be first, right? This is kind of how I see the world. And what does it look like to see the world through separation and reunion lens? Well, what is the primary problem? The primary problem is abandonment. There's just this sense of feeling isolated, alone, abandoned. That's how you see the world. That's the primary problem that you see. So how do you feel? Well, you feel a little bit like an orphan. You feel a little bit like an outcast. There's kind of this sense of ache and longing to get back to something bigger and better than what you see in this world around you. If you're in this world, maybe you resonate with movies like Del Toro's The Color of Water or Pan's Labyrinth, or maybe you think of Contact and Jodie Foster and that searching for something that's greater than yourself. That's how you feel if you see the world through a world one lens. So who is Jesus in this world? Well, Jesus is the one who leads you home. That's scriptural. That's how Jesus actually refers to himself. That's how Jesus teaches about himself to us. So why is this good news to you? Why is the gospel good news? Because Jesus is the great revealer. Actually, when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn so that we could connect with God so there'd be no more barrier and we could enter into home. Why does that give us hope? <laughs> because Jesus taught us, right? In John 14, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. There will be a home for you one day. It'll be nothing like this world. It'll be great. There'll be no more crying. You will be home at last. Or think about Ephesians, where it reminds us that God decided in advance that he would adopt us into his family and bring us to himself through Jesus. The scripture is full of messages that are hopeful for somebody who lives in world one. Now think about world two, but before we go to world two, you don't need to miss this. If you give a hopeful message of the gospel that always resonates with someone in world one, 
someone in world two may not feel like your good news is very good for them. Because here's number two. Number two is conflict and vindication. If your primary world is conflict and vindication, this is an amazing world. There's so many great stories that come out of this worldview. This is kind of what's behind great movies, epic stories like Star Wars or Marvel comics. There's always a hero in this kind of worldview. So if you have a conflict vindication perspective, what's the core problem? Oppression. I mean, there's a very real history of oppression here that you resonate with, that you see in the world. You can see this in narratives like Harry Potter locked in the broom cupboard, right? And then he faces the Dementors and finally he's face to face with Voldemort himself. But you don't have to look to stories for this. You see this throughout history. You see a historical plot line of oppression. So that's the problem in the world. How do you feel? Well, how would you feel if you look out into the world and all you saw was oppression clearly every day? There's a sense of anger. There's a sense of being a warrior. You're ready for things to turn upside down. You're ready for a new order. So who is Jesus in all of this? Jesus is exactly who he told us he is. He is the Messiah. He's the liberator. So why is the gospel good news? Well, because he is liberating. I mean, Jesus of Nazareth, this inconsequential town, came into this world and overturned everything. It was a great reversal. You don't have to look very far to see this message. You understand that when he was raised from the dead, it was terrifying for the people in governmental authority or who had political power. Why is this good news for you? Why do you have hope? Because there's a new kingdom and a new earth. We see that in Revelation, right? There's a new kingdom. There's a new earth. Things will be made new, and it will be different than we've ever experienced it before. Oppression will cease. Think about how many times Jesus teaches in Scripture the idea of good news and new kingdom in the same sentence. And we know what the new kingdom will look like, right? The first will be last. The last will be first. That's hopeful for somebody who sees the world as a world, too. And then there are some people who see the world differently. They see the world through a number three perspective. This is what world three looks like. Emptiness and fulfillment. Now, something I think that's interesting about emptiness and fulfillment and people who identify with a world three perspective, something I think that's interesting about this world is anytime I've been in a room of leaders where they're primarily Gen Xers or millennials, the majority of the people in the room identify as a world three. I don't know if this is generational or if it's just something culturally that we begin to identify with, but here's the problem for someone in this world. The problem is insignificance. There's this sense in this world that maybe we just don't have value to begin with. There's this emptiness. I mean, what does it feel like? It feels empty. There's an ache inside. It's this belief that if you got to know me, it's not that you wouldn't like me because of my sin or my depravity or the things that I've done wrong. It's that you might get to know me and realize there's nothing there. That if I were to step out from behind the mask, if I were to show you my true authentic self, it would just be nothing. It would be worthless. That's kind of the feeling. So who is Jesus to this person? Jesus is our example. Jesus is our model. Jesus is the one who experienced this human life. And because of his life, we understand that human life has meaning. It has value. So why is the gospel good news? Well, because Jesus empowers us. Jesus comes to fill the void. The Holy Spirit comes to fill the void in our life so that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. If you've ever wondered if you have value, you should know once and for all because of the gospel of Jesus that you have worth. He showed up and died for you so that it would prove to you that you're worth it. So how does this give you hope? Well, because you've been made complete. Think about John 10, 10. 
that Jesus came so that you would have life and have it to the full. I love what my friend Erin Eddy does with her brand, So Worth Loving, because it's a message to a generation, isn't it? You are so worth loving. That's a gospel message. Then we move into the next world, world four. World four is condemnation and forgiveness. For some of us, you grew up in churches where maybe you heard this kind of worldview preached about more than others. But be careful. If you heard this message of condemnation and forgiveness and it wasn't your primary world or it didn't resonate with you, it didn't connect, don't be quick to discount this perspective. It's still a valid and important perspective for a lot of people in our community. So if you live in this world, if you kind of have this worldview, what's the problem? Well, the problem is sin or ego, right? As Freud would say, we're caught in a loop of struggle. This is Paul saying, hey, what I want to do, I don't do what I don't want to do. I keep on doing that thing. I'm caught in this cycle. I can't get out of it. So how do you feel? Well, you feel like a fugitive. You feel guilty all of the time. There's this shame cycle of never being able to be good enough. Aren't we glad that Paul kind of experienced this so that he could give us these great words of what it looks like? Because if you live in this world, you understand completely that you can never perform your way out of a sin cycle, right? So who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is the Savior, the Savior who paid the debt for your sins, the Redeemer who stepped in your place so that you could be redeemed. Why is the gospel good news? Well, there's a substitutionary thing. You learned this, right? You understand. Basically, the entire book of Romans explains this to us. Why do you feel hope? Well, because you've been forgiven, right? All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But now there is no more condemnation for those who trust in Jesus. I mean, that's kind of mashed up and taken all out of order. But you know the verses. You understand. There's a sense in which what Jesus has done for you, if you feel an overwhelming sense of guilt, is completely forgiven you to remind you you can start over. There is no more condemnation. And then there's the last world, world five, suffering and endurance. If you've been in ministry very long, I guarantee that you've met somebody who has a world five perspective, and it's probably challenged you, especially if you're not a world five. So here's the problem for somebody in world five, life. Life itself is the problem when you're in world five. Life itself is suffering. It's pain. How does it feel? Well, it feels like you're overwhelmed all the time. There's a sense of being completely overwhelmed by the pain upon pain upon pain upon pain. And it's not just your own personal pain. For someone with this life view, you look out into the world and all you see is pain and suffering and it feels meaningless. It's like Shakespeare said in Macbeth, life is but a walking shadow, a poor player who struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more, right? So who is Jesus to someone with a world five perspective? Jesus is the suffering servant. Jesus is the one who sees our pain, who feels our pain. He's the one who saw pain in people and named it. Jesus has lived this experience and truly understands this is the Jesus who carried his own cross. Why is the gospel good news? The gospel is good news because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He bears all things, right? He knows our suffering. This is love in action. For those who live in this world, who resonate with pain and suffering, we need to remember that God knows deep suffering, that God abides with us through the deep suffering. So why do you have hope? 
Well, because Paul's letter in Corinth reminds us that love perseveres, love endures all things, believes all things, hopes all things. And even though life seems meaningless right now, we only see through a mirror dimly. And one day when wholeness comes, we'll see more fully. We understand in 2 Corinthians that God is the God of all comfort. But where does his comfort come from? His comfort comes from the suffering of Jesus. Because a God who never suffered couldn't give us any comfort for the world where we suffer. So these are the five worlds. That's a lot of information. Remember, you can download it on the PDF. It's okay if you missed a few things. But why does this matter? Is this just another personality assessment test that we can take and we can talk about as a staff? We can kind of go, what is your world? And how do you see things? And what resonates with you? And which one do you think is the best world or the most right world? And which one is probably the most wrong world? Oh, this is important because in the community that you serve, there are people who see the world in all five of these ways. So it matters if you want to give hope to a generation in a way that feels hopeful. You have to know the questions somebody is asking. You have to know the pain that somebody is feeling if you want to provide an answer that feels hopeful, that feels like good news for that person. So this past year, we talked about these five worldviews at a staff retreat, which is like another way of saying a long meeting. Um, We went through this kind of exercise, identified our primary worlds. We were having conversation about it. And the very next week, one of our editors, who's an incredible small group leader, I'm trying to recruit her to be my kid's small group leader, she stopped me in the hall. She said, hey, this is so ironic. But after our conversation last week, I went to our youth group, and it just so happened that it was the week that they gave the salvation message. So they did the message. We went back to small group. And the very first thing that happened is one of the girls just kind of got honest and said, I don't feel as guilty as I think they want me to feel. And then the other girls kind of chimed in. They said, yeah, I don't think I feel as guilty as they want me to feel either. And so she laughed. She was like, all I knew to do was pull out the chart from our staff meeting. And we had this incredible conversation. You see, the gospel is much, much more valuable than we make it sometimes. Maybe we've forgotten how valuable the gospel really is. That the gospel is actually like a diamond with many facets. And so when we leave out one of the facets or aspects of Jesus that Jesus told us about himself, we risk making the good news not sound like very good news. Or maybe worse than that, maybe we've seen one of the five perspectives taken out of context or pushed to an extreme where it was kind of abused. And so we kind of run away from that perspective. We don't like to talk about it very much or it just doesn't make sense to us. So we leave it out entirely. But whenever we leave out part of what Jesus said about himself, we risk not speaking some of the hope that we have to a generation who needs it. I mean, think about it this way. Whenever you deliver one kind of worship song that only speaks to one worldview, or maybe you preach one worldview more than another, you preach one of the aspects of Jesus more than any of the others, you're lacking a theological diversity that this generation really needs. I mean, maybe you're sitting there, you're saying, hey, hey, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven, and somebody's going, wait, but I'm just suffering. Or maybe you're going, hey, Christ is the one who brings about a new kingdom, and everything's been made new, everything's been turned upside down, and somebody's looking at you going, yeah, but I still just feel empty inside. If you want the good news to sound like good news, we all need variety. What might happen? If we just looked at our experiences through this lens, if we just said, what kind of worship songs will speak to all five issues, to all five perspectives? 
What kind of messages might we preach if we wanted to take into account everybody's view in our community? I think we would find that Jesus is big enough. Jesus is enough. The gospel is enough. There's actually a richness to the gospel if we'll just lean in to everything that is there in a full and holistic way. It might just not sound like good news until we remember why the good news is good news for everyone. Thank you for joining us today as we explore the five perspectives of why the gospel is good news. And as we head into this busy Easter season, let's remember that the gospel is the ultimate source of hope and can transform lives. And if you'd like to download a handout that goes with this talk to explore those perspectives, you can find it at orangeleaders.com resources. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Think Orange podcast. But until then, keep faith alive. Thank you.